This is Risky Women Radio, a show to connect, celebrate and champion women in risk, regulation and compliance. Sharing insight and perspective from the most influential members of our global Risky Women Network on the latest developments we need to think about, the challenges we should all talk more about and the innovation we are most excited about in governance, risk and compliance. Bringing together the hundreds of senior women professionals already connected with a new emerging group of leading women and men. I'm Kimberly Cole, your Chief Risky Woman. Hello and welcome to Risky Women Radio. I'm Kellyanne McHugh, APAC Director at My Compliance Office and host of a short series here in Singapore for Risky Women. Today, we are pleased to have Namita Bede, Managing Director for Denim Consulting with us to chat, Is Common Sense Uncommon? Hi, Namita. Hi, Kelly. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm, um, yeah, enjoying uh, the circuit breaker. I don't <laughs> think you've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, aren't we all? Gosh, um, another month to go here in Singapore, but uh, we can still work remotely like this, so this is great. Absolutely. I think this is just a new way of working, yeah. It absolutely is. So, so Namita, your journey began after studying at Pune University in India, uh, where you were, you know, straight after that, you were busy setting up AT&T the first time in India. Uh, and ever since you've worked in financial services with a twist of innovation, with roles at Deutsche, SCB, UBS, um, and you've even sat as an advisory board member on the Women in Payments here in ASEAN. Tell us a little bit more about your journey to date and some of the highlights. Sure. Um, I think I, I, I attribute a lot of this to the theory I call is organized chaos. Um, it's a method to madness. Having been brought up in India, uh, it laid the foundation of constant change. Um, so for my personal and my professional journey, I'm an Air Force brat, uh, my family moved continuously we moved every few years and so a routine of new schools new cities new friends uh, change became the new normal and it sort of became developing of a plug-and-play model for my personal journey um so you know it sort of tied in nicely and it 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 may sound a bit accidental but it's become my own forte of creating new businesses, cultivating green fields, opening new markets. And I suspect my childhood of constant change and exploring new new things um, has been really the basis of my professional journey. So there's there's a lot of diversity in, in what I've done. Um, so being part of the journey of setting up AT&T, the first mobile service in India, was absolutely thrilling to just to, you know, coming out of be school and being part of this, you know, we were literally um, 16, 17 of us uh, working out of a, you know, a little shop, shop house, shall I say. Uh, and, and that's where it all began. And then from there on, I came to Singapore to set up a software services company in, in the region. And uh, I think the attraction and at that time, I was selling to banks and insurance companies and the attraction to moving to financial services was really the complexity and, and the role of technology um, that was creating an increasing uh, importance to drive change. And, you know, I think and that's where the journey began. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does sound like a very interesting um, upbringing and 
certainly myself, I've, I've moved to three or four different countries myself and um, throughout my career. And I think that that ability to just jump from, from one country to another or one business to another and apply the things you've learned is, is really interesting. Um, so you sort of said some of it's been a bit accidental, which I think a lot of us can relate to as women. Um, what were some of the motivations behind your career choices um, moving from sort of procurement into innovation or, you know, are there some examples there of, of motivations for change? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I think the the hunger and the curiosity and the ability to connect dots and 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 sort of just being, um, I, th- I think the two things I really attributed is to, uh, you know, being a strategic problem solver. Um, I love getting into the weeds of things and because having having been exposed to so many different cultures and different ways of working and living and, you know, that made it a lot easier and I'm interested in people. So that was a big, big motivation of um, making choices. And some of them happened accidentally. Some of them just came along the way and I, you know, put my hand up and, or, or uh, I've had been lucky that I've had some leaders who spotted that in me. And, and, and that's why I think, the, the common sense is uncommon is is a theme that that continues where you know there's a lot people are overcomplicating things and and sort of not coming from financial services initially um, I was looking at it in a, in, a, in a much more simplified way um, and I think that really helped me to to the, to uh, make the choices I made and 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 I've had success uh, along the way um, and and that's really been the underlying theme I think getting into new markets. Um, so yeah, though it's uh, helped set up for uh, retail banks, uh, you know, with, in India, I, I lived in China for a bit to set up the business there. I worked on uh, Turkey, I worked on Russia, and I've had global roles and, and sort of have, like yourself, moved a lot, worked continuously with different people. But I think that's the most attractive part of, of doing this. And, and I think the underlying theme is also the fact that people are people. It doesn't matter where you're from the common theme of, of achieving something, building, uh, building a new business, we were all focused on that. Um, and and uh, that, that for me is, is really the, uh, the driving force of what we do today. Yeah, I, I like that theme of keeping things simple. Um, so we'll get to that in a moment. Um, tell me, what is the biggest risk you have taken in your career? Ah, being an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) Challenging, right? Uh, Oh, my God. I, um, you know, and I think the key drivers were, so if I look at everything that I've done so far, I've always always been an entrepreneur, part of a large organization. You know, when you're you're setting up businesses uh, or or doing something different and new for, for a big bank, 160 year old bank or 200 year old bank you have to think differently um and so i felt like with the backdrop of organized chaos of being brought up in india the armed forces upbringing um and doing so, such a variety of work i was equipped to give that dream a, a chance um i think being a woman and being an entrepreneur both <laughs> <laughs> synchronized to uh you know just being being risky because it's hard you know you're doing everything you're hustling um the ability to 
close business and um, deliver to the clients at the same time and and sort of keeping the lights on on every aspect um, is is um, was definitely something I learned more risky. about myself. Yeah, yeah, definitely risky and and also I think um, it's it's nobody tells you that right. I think nobody tells you what, what this would entail. I'm loving it, but I think the upside is um, that I've learned. I've got to work with some absolutely unbelievable uh, founders, corporates. The journey has been interesting, but it's also been very, very difficult. I've had periods of lull to say, "Right, shall I just now not do this and go back?" Um, you know, for, for a variety of reasons. But but it's it has been um, it's been soul searching, <laughs> and 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 also you know. Um, I'm bringing everything and you know, the entire toolkit of experience to to this, which 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 is fun, but yeah, I, I would certainly put it down as my biggest risk that I've taken. Yes, but you've also had some risky breaks in your career, and um, which is fantastic. Um, tell us a little bit about those. Oh my God, yes. Um, I, I, some people can call me a little bit crazy uh, for those. So. My first uh, fun and the incredible thing I landed up doing after a great run of seven years with Deutsche and traveling the world and doing some unbelievable work, um, I felt like I needed a pause. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was in a new country every fortnight. I was in a new hotel. It was a little bit of an up in the air situation. Um, And, you know, I was like, okay, I really need to sort of reconnect with myself um a very dear friend and an ex-colleague who also worked with me at Deutsche um had already started pursuing her dream um she bought a piece of beach in Zanzibar and uh set up an unbelievable boutique hotel and and you know I think we had so many common experiences working with each other on a number of initiatives we understood each other we travel we had traveled together as well and um and so she basically so when I said I'm taking a break she's like why don't you come hang out help me operationalize my business and I was like oh my god sure let's do it and you know and, and it just literally happened organically and I didn't really think about it too much and I just sort of took the plunge and it was one of absolutely it was one of the best decisions for me and I think the reappreciation of simplicity and going back to basics um Africa just brought it home full force it was also a sort of you know um it was gods must be crazy all episodes every day which made it a lot of fun and you know you you um you you appreciate some of the good things in life also but but i mean i would recommend it to everybody i think that reconnection and just um is 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 important for the soul yeah i mean i'm i'm interested i've not had a break since since university myself and that's you know 12 13 years of working so i'm 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 intrigued i am down for a 6 month break would, in tanzania Oh, absolutely. I would, you know, we'll have a separate chat and I'll give you some pointers, but I would recommend you come back with a different um, perspective. You come back with just, you know yourself a little bit more. And I think uh, it's important. I think we all need to do soulful things for ourselves just to, um, just to bring a different dimension really. And then having a clarity on what is important, 
what we want to focus on and just, yeah, just doing something which is different. It's fantastic. In terms of your, you know, your career to date and perhaps it's been a manager or um, a colleague or somebody external completely, you know, who are some of the role models that you've been inspired by? Um, there's, there's a very big sort of, there are many, many different people who have helped me and guided me. Um, but, you know, I think I'd, I'd sort of say my father and mother have been a huge influence. Um, uh, you know, dad was in the Air Force, so his work ethic and, you know, both of them, actually, they're both, their work, work ethics, their, their curiosity, their empathy, the humor, um, you know, he's, my dad's 83 and he teaches yoga. Um, he's done, um, yeah, you know, he's super fit. My mum decided to uh, do a course in counselling and psychology at the age of 71. She topped the course. Um, she went back to school, you know, and then I think I, I have those right in front of me and uh, and we, I have an older brother and we both had the right same opportunities and we were just given a free hand to think about what we want to do and you know so I'm really thankful and and they continue to influence and you know lead by example they're so tech savvy so the whole um quarantine has not been an issue they they're, you know they're on their iPads and they do everything that they need to, and they have been for from the first iPad when they that got launched so it's you know it's I'm really lucky that I, I have that uh, influence right in front of me no that's that's fantastic um and, you know, to have that whilst you were growing up and all of that different travel throughout India and, and elsewhere, um, you know, that's, that's inspirational for sure. This episode is brought to you in partnership with My Compliance Office. With clients in over 80 countries and employees around the world, My Compliance Office is committed to delivering affordable, easy to use compliance technology. Thank you, My Compliance Office, for your support of Risky Women Radio. Um, so let's get back to let's let's get back to our theme on terms of is is common sense uncommon, and making compliance business enabling, keeping it simple. You mentioned it just before. Look, there's a lot of transformation underway at the moment here in APAC, and um, with regards to the banking sector, we are looking at the rise of digital banks, etc. Tell us about some of the projects you've been involved in. Um, and how that kind of relates back to that simplification theme we've been talking about. So, um, so I think there's there's a few things um, that that I'm seeing, um, and it's a constant thing, right? So you see innovation being thrust on everyone, um, and it's almost like if you don't have innovation in your um, on your website or anything that you do in terms of you're not looked at as an innovative company, right? So for me, it's a very, or a regulator, right? So absolutely. And I feel like from my perspective and my experience, it's a very overused, much abused word. Um, and, and it almost is synchronous to banking and business transformation. But the way I see it, I, I, I like to call it, um, from my perspective, it's applied innovation, you know, you need to understand the business for you to fundamentally change it. And and for me, innovation drives from a from a separate 
from a different, I, I have a different anchor towards it. I believe values make a big difference, the integrity, uh, responsible behavior, and, and sort of driving why you're trying to do what you're trying to do at a fundamental level. And, and I'm seeing that trend um, come through quite quite a bit because, you know, your customers are demanding transparency. They want to make it, they want a simple experience. And that's why there's been a rise of fintechs, right? You, you look at... Um, just moving money, right? You know, you, you have the transfervisors and the Instagrams, uh, revolutes of the world who have taken over. And, you know, I, I don't remember moving money through the bank uh, across the world. It's much faster to do it through other alternatives. So the, the push to to really listen to your customers and, and not, you know, back in the day, you, banks could get away by not explaining why there is the fee structure or why are they getting charged this or why does it take too long? But now the model is defunct. So you have to keep the customer experience at the center of everything we do. It has to be customer first and also risk and compliance. I think that, again, is a key aspect of designing products. You know, uh, banks have or, or anyone who's within the financial services of the fintech world, clean money flowing through their system has to be your utmost priority. So there is a place for for all of those aspects, um, and 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 but it also means it drives simplicity and collaboration. By that I mean is the conversation is is around why do what are these regulations? Why do I need to do this? There has to be a proper dialogue and and conversation for that collaboration. It can't be, oh, this is a regulation, we have to fulfill it. Asking the questions of everybody in the ecosystem, it could be the regulators, it could be um, anyone who who's part of that journey, a risk compliance, technology, operations. Do we need 17 steps to deliver a particular service? Can we do it in seven steps? I think it, it that that is that's why for me the simplification and collaborations are the cornerstones of the way forward. Um, there's a lot of new stack in terms of technology, but ensuring technology is driving change and not the other way around. So the forefront of what your business core is, why are you trying to solve this problem? What is it that you're trying to do still has to be the bedrock of your need to do what you're doing. Uh, technology should drive that change and not be the driver of change, if, if that makes sense. Um so, so I'm seeing that. I, I think there's there's lots of introspection I'm seeing. I have, uh, my clients are a variety of clients. I work with banks uh, who've been in, I've worked with new companies, tech, rec tech companies, fintech companies, payment companies. So it's a variety of, you know, I've got all players that I'm servicing. Uh, but the theme is everyone's curious to speed being important, right? We want to deliver this quickly. We want to do it responsibly. So the collaboration becomes key parts. And also you're seeing partnerships as a key part of driving that. Um, you're not seeing all banks trying to develop products. You know, you want to focus on being a bank and not being an engineering hub. Yeah, you know, one can argue that there is, you know, sometimes some banks are hiring 500 data scientists. Do I need that? Can I not partner with somebody to do this? So so it really is, is, is about speed and everyone perhaps also should should think about how do you collaborate to get to the fastest way of delivering that change and and making that difference and an impact in a responsible and sustainable way. Yeah, you raised some great points there. So 
I specifically, I really like the point around putting that customer journey first, um, really thinking about what the customer is trying to get out of this and what's best for the customer. I guess that's where our, you know, the compliance listeners will be interested in around, you know, the MAS or the SFC puts out a regulation. Um, but what does that really mean for the customer? And and as you say, simplification, innovating throughout that process to get it from 17 steps to to seven yeah, that sounds like some interesting work you must be doing and helping those companies with that. Yeah, and I think the the what is, you know, and I I am quite lucky and quite unique in my experience. I have done everything from setting up businesses to running large complex programs, running operations, doing have have done a lot of strategic sourcing, worked on strategy. And I think my most recent role at at the corporate was running innovation for financial crime compliance. Now, that's a bit of an oxymoron. Um, You know, one can argue, was it, (laughs) was I preventing crime or, uh, you know, was I, was I creating crime? I mean, I believe I was preventing crime. Um, But I think to, to that, the reason I could bring a different dimension is because I understood how businesses are done. Um, and, 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 you know, one of the other things we talked about business, you know, compliance being business enabling, it's very important that people within the support organizations, it's no longer, oh, I'm a business product owner, or I'm a business, I face the client. It has to be a collective conversation. And there has to be a, a, a understanding of what your business is doing, Right. Why am I doing this and what are the checks and balances and controls I need to look after so that I don't get the fines and I don't get into any of the administrative challenges I have? And it goes back to common sense. I think it's it's about the culture, it's about the awareness, it's about the enablement and really cross-pollination of teams to to drive that change, right? So So that's why for me, having the roles I have had my go-to people are risk compliance and lawyers. If I go into a new market to set something up, they need to tell me what I can or can't do. And that collaboration has been one of the reasons why we've had very, a lot of success because you're giving the right subject matter expertise, the right respect and collaboration and airtime, right? Um, so, so, so the idea is to ensure that the, the organizations put out products that are foolproof, that are ensuring the right balance is there and that we keep our customers' money safe, that the experience is good. And then from a regulatory framework, it's not a policing aspect, but it's really about balance of what needs to happen and, you know, the clean money flows through the system. So for me, that's why that enabling aspect is important um, to, to drive that change. I think innovation can't be done completely in isolation. Absolutely. I was just thinking earlier around my time at Deloitte, which was one of the first companies that I worked for. And and really, we had this concept of almost crowdsourcing innovation, using the whole organization to come up with ways that business could be generated or that mm-hmm. operations could be improved. What is some of your experience or I guess some, some hot tips about how applied innovation um, should be thought about and used to advantage? So, you know, I think um, I, I 
wholeheartedly um, believe in that. I, I feel like there has to be a voice. There has to be a co-creation of products. There has to be a co-creation and and just it it needs to be as much as uh, you know manufacturing setup, right? You need to have a progressive assembly line where everybody is adding their secret sauce to delivering that product. And and I think when you talk to a technology person who's developing that solution for a problem that you have or an operation person who's fulfilling the client requests or a risk and compliance person who's, you are creating a robust service offering. You are creating uh, a service that will not have, you know, a challenge because change is the most constant thing that we all are facing in every aspect of it. So the more dialogue you have, the more simplification we have, the better way to improve it. The complexity is reduced because you've got the right people discussing the flow of how this is um, going to play out from a customer journey perspective. So, you know, for me, that is key. And also knowing what are you focusing from a business perspective? What is it that you're trying to draw uh, what are the four things that you focus on? And, and having that focal point is key um, because, you know, not everyone can't do everything. So so sort of solving for that and then working with partnerships to, to deliver those, um, whatever the focus and whatever uh, whatever that you're trying to achieve. So having a goal, having a plan is, is, is crucial. Um, and, and also sort of get, sorting customer feedback regularly and to say, right, what are you thinking of? Because, you know, you can't create an isolation. You have to get feedback from partnerships. You have to get feedback from customers who are using your service and even going to a proof of value than proof of concept. I like the word proof of value more because that's what you are driving. Your business has to drive value. And I I urge all, all the supporting organizations to think about that from a value like what is your value to the, the to the uh, to the product you're offering or or anyone who's interacting with a risk or compliance team should be able to say right i actually had a great conversation i got a good insight into why i'm thinking about that so when you drive from a place of value you're able to i think deliver a lot more if that makes sense it absolutely does um i definitely like the term proof of value over proof of concept um i'm going to use that going forward in my own role. Please do. <laughs> um, stolen. What are some of the trends you are seeing in the direction of travel for financial institutions and financial industries? What are the top challenges that these financial services are aiming to tackle at the moment? So so I think um, it's, it's, it's broad. I, I would say, um, I mean, there's a few buckets that I like to think about them in, right? I'm seeing a lot of non-financial institutions um, come into the payment space, right? So you are seeing the Googles, the Amazons, the Apples of the world. You know, Toyota has a bank of their own. You've got Mercedes-Benz who has their own bank. So you are seeing um, a I lot. I think even of- Razer, the um, computer gaming. Yes organization yes, yes and so because ga- gamification has become a big part of how you're going to deliver products and services so um the expected um, spend over 2020 in terms of fintech trends is over 30 billion for 2020 and and hyper personalization using ai machine learning a lot of predictability and hence the 
uh, the world of Razor from a gamification becomes quite relevant. You're, you're seeing mobile payments at the forefront of it. You know, there are different channels of payment methods. And, and you know, within today's um, circuit breaker quarantine, that whole contactless payment has been a big part of our lives, right? You're getting everything delivered online. And I think Singapore is also very unique. We're very lucky to have great infrastructure and it's wired for, for, for that. Um, you're also seeing a lot of conversational interfaces like the chat box uh, world, which is trying to make um, life easier. I feel like they are making progress. So, so these are some of the trends I'm seeing where, where, again, I feel like all of it goes back to customer centricity. It's about customer experience. And then you're, you are using enabling technology to, to achieve that in the best, fastest possible way. Oh, fantastic. And, and again, bringing it back to that common sense um, approach to developing products. Um, absolutely. Great trends. And what about in terms of managing risks appropriately? How are banks going to remain relevant going forward? You know, maybe my response to this is going to be a little bit biased having spent a, a, a significant amount of my career in banks. Um, I don't think banks will be dead. Um, I, I still feel like they will have a, a role to play. Um, I, I I call it fintegration, right? So that that's something I believe I, I'd like to coin, where I, I think the partnership models are going to be key. Uh, banks will still remain the front of center from a, from a compliance, from a risk engine perspective, you know, um, being large international banks, your obligation to the regulators all over the world. And, you know, if you clear more currencies, you have more obligations to take care of. And you've created this engine, right? So you've got the infrastructure. And if I can partner to deliver services, it could be faster payments, it could be cross-border, it could be SME loan, it could it could be a variety of things that I can do with partnership models. Um, I, I feel that is a win-win for both um, because not all fintechs do the end-to-end fulfillment. They probably solve a particular problem in the assembly line. So having that partnership uh, will, will, will be forward, you know. So, so I do feel there's a role to be played for all the relevant successful players who can ensure, um, you know, client centricity and speed. I think those are just the things that that are going to be as, as a focal of what we're trying to do. I mean, you're seeing uh, Facebook, uh, the WhatsApp payments is, is another big, big, big way of moving forward. And, you know, these are things banks will have to adopt in terms of partnerships, right? Yeah, I think I was reading an article earlier today from um the regulatory intelligence team at, at TR, um, and they mentioned that DBS during COVID has moved almost 90% of certain parts of its business to remote working, um, even significant portions of their trading businesses are now working remotely. This potentially is the one thing that banks needed to, ch- to change. You know, they were so brick and mortar, I can't have my traders working from home. You know, that's risky. Um so that's interesting as well, actually. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you think about why traders were not, because there was the whole, um, the risk around monitoring and 
um, control. Yeah, you traders needed a certain amount of workflow. Traders needed to make sure that they have the right credit lines approvals. You needed four eyes principles or whatever those were. And I feel like there's new technology that you can continue to do all of those elements now. So, um, um, yeah, I think there there is a silver lining. I think COVID nineteen has has changed us in lots of ways in in some good ways as well so yeah there's positives well speaking of common sense being uncommon and can you share some of your thoughts on fintech reg techs focusing on increasing diversity and why that's important I mean talk about you know common sense being uncommon here but what are your thoughts on that (laughs) um so, you know, let me just profess this conversation with some numbers, right? Um, so the global population, as we know, is 50% is women. Uh, there's still a lot of gender gap within the workforce. The gender pay continues to exist. Um, the global female income expected to reach $24 trillion annually in 2020. It's gone up from $20 trillion. Uh, in 2018. So you are seeing a significant change. Women are expected to control 43 trillion worth of uh, global consumer spending. Um, Now, these are numbers we can't ignore, right? However, we are still seeing products being developed by men. Now, that has to shift. um, And I think you can't ignore that. Unfortunately, you know, we, you and I are still talking about it. Um, so that's something continues to be a work in progress. But I feel like w- as women, we also need to change the conversation and move the needle. Um, I think two, three things which I see within within what fintech is trying to enable is, is, is access. Women are getting more access to get on the development conversation. They can work on things a little bit more remotely. You do see a lot of women dropping off um, after a certain point in their career. So I feel like that that's a good thing. But um, I think the, uh, the underlying theme is, is, is a bigger theme where access to opportunities and getting the support to be successful once you are appointed in that role remains to be still um, a point that you know needs a lot of work unfortunately and sadly Um, but with those numbers I'm hoping that there is a you know we shine a different light where people again go back to focusing on collaborative uh, cultures and having dynamic teams to which include you know incubate some great um, ideas and drives innovation in a speedy fashion so I'm hoping that 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 trend um, moves forward faster than than you and I would like. Yeah, absolutely. And I I know we talked earlier around um, trends in like car manufacturing and and getting women involved in that process. And I'm I'm certainly sure, Namita, we could team up and create an awesome car. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we should. I think that's the side project we need we need to kick off very quickly. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> Connecting, celebrating and championing women in risk regulation and compliance, Risky Women Radio takes an intimate look at the rants and revelations of the top women shaping the debate and the industry. 
Okay, so this is the fun part of the session. We've got some rants and revelations. Perfectly timely in this wonderful circuit breaker as we're stuck inside here in Singapore. The light bulb moment. What is your top piece of advice you receive to assist your career progress? Don't take yourself too seriously. Enjoy it. I think that was uh, that was a funny one, and I'm like, what? Yeah, you know, we do lots of serious things, but just sort of go with the flow a little bit more. And and you know, I've been lucky. I I use it regularly, and as I mentor um, different. People that I work with, I, I always tell everyone, I said, you know, just take it easy. Don't take yourself too too seriously. Absolutely. And certainly in our roles, um, you know, we're not there on the front lines at the moment and, in, in, you know, saving people's lives in COVID. So I, I, I like that advice um, and I definitely need to take that one on more. What is your rant? If you were ruler of the world for the day, what would you change? Um think what perturbs me is lack of empathy and I know um, your prime minister is probably a gold standard for that um, uh, just in Darden you know I think she 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 does uh, and I think the situations which are unprecedented like over 19 nobody uh, could even think about it has has really forced people um, to think about, stop and take a think about why we're doing what we're doing and reconnecting. Um, uh, the whole digital detox is important. I feel like people had forgotten how to have conversations with each other. And now, you know, I see in the last four or five weeks, I've reconnected with loads of friends, um, family uh, that I hadn't had the chance because we just didn't have the time. So empathy, stopping, thinking, having some sort of a dialogue to ensure that, you know, people know that they're not alone. I feel that there's a lot of that. Um, Change is such a constant thing. Um, I think the lack of empathy really, um, I think, is something I think we all need to actively develop. Absolutely, absolutely, and no better time than now. Not the lack now. of empathy, but the em- empathy. No, yeah, 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 more empathy. <laughs> <laughs> no, excellent. Okay, the last section, the rapid-fire round. Risky Women is a vibrant network at the centre of a global community in a rapidly growing, evolving and influential industry. Given the continued pace of change, our rapid-fire round revisits the most pressing topics to share ideas and offer listeners new perspectives. Kimberly started this a little while ago, and I think it's fantastic. So your predictions or key trends for the year ahead? I think there's going to be a lot of meaningful connections because of this unprecedented times. I feel like we're going to look at priorities um, very differently. Uh, So my prediction would be connections, uh, meaningful connections. Um, it could be business, it could be uh, professional or personal connections. I feel that um, that I feel is going to be a top trend. Yeah. Cure for the cost of compliance. Cross-pollination. Great. Um, are you optimistic, pessimistic or neutral in your outlook for the year ahead? I am going to, um, I'm optimistic. I, I feel there's a lot of positives. Um, you know, I, I feel like our earth is going to be greener, uh, you know, with all the lack of travel and lack of emission and things that none of us could 
could do in in such a rapid manner um, is is going to be good for for us. Um, and again, like I said, you know, meaningful connections and hoping to drive empathy. I think all of these things for me are are positive. Um, uh, there could be challenges economically, but I think that some of those uh, it might just offset that. I like it. I like the optimism. A book you recommend everyone reads. So this book was recommended by my father many, many, many years ago, and I still to this day feel it's very relevant. It's um, it's called The Future Shock by Alvin Toffler. Fantastic. And we'll have those in the, note, in the show notes. Something to watch. Um, I, I have a very diverse palette, so um, I'll give you three things that I, I really in, enjoyed. There's, um, there's a film... Um, not a film, I think it's called a short series. It's, I, I believe it's four, four parts to it. It's called Orthodox. Um, it's set um, about change in, in the Jewish committee, uh, community in, in New York. Um, it's very interesting. Um, I, there's a movie called Super Deluxe. It's, it's a, a film from the south of India, extremely... Um, it's almost it almost feels like a Wes Anderson film with the way it's been shot, but it's talking to a, a lot of key themes uh, that we face in, in in today's world. It's got subtitles, so I would recommend that. And I'm enjoying the Killing Eve season uh, three. <laughs> I'm desperate to watch that. And lastly, your favorite podcast. You know, I think. Uh, as you can see, you know, there's a lot of diversity in everything that I do. Uh, I would recommend My Wardrobe Malfunction by Susanna Constein. I'll have to take a listen for when I can actually whip my wardrobe back out again uh, post-COVID. Post now, well, thank you very much for your time, Namita. Um, that was a really great informative session, particularly around simplification and is common sense uncommon? So thank you very much for your time. No, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really enjoyed um, getting to know you ladies um, and um, hopefully uh, we do more more together. So thank you and enjoy the remaining four weeks um, and hopefully see you in person soon. Thank you for listening to this exciting episode of Rescue Women Radio to connect, champion and celebrate women in risk regulation and compliance. I'm Kimberly Cole, based in Hong Kong. For more information on the Risky Women Global Network, head to our website in the episode notes and please be a part of the ongoing conversation by subscribing to this podcast, connecting with us at Risky Women on Twitter, or even reaching out to me directly by email.